For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and joined by Max Mallow. Um, We took a little bit of a break from the podcast, but now we're back. And we're talking about a franchise that we both love, hate, hate to love, love to hate, hate watch them, whatever you want to call it. And that is the Final Destination franchise. Yeah, and why are we doing this episode, Natalie? You know, Scream's coming out this weekend. Um, yeah. We're going to obviously try to review it next week. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a piece of news that came across our desks, uh, like we're some kind of reporters or something, uh, <laughs> that got both of our attention immediately. Um, and it's that the Final Destination franchise is making a comeback um, with a sixth movie in the works produced by John Watts. And everyone should know John Watts' name uh, because he did the Spider-Man Home Trilogy, I think it's called, because it's Homecoming, <laughs> No Way Home, and then Far From Home. Um, so, obviously a big name in the director space right now, Far From Home was, uh, sorry, No Way Home was no great. Home, yeah, yeah, I got those backwards. They're um, all the same name. <laughs> I know. But uh, super exciting because, again, this is a guilty pleasure franchise for me specifically. Um, I know you like it as well. Um, one of the first couple horror movies that I ever saw. Um, and it's also coming to HBO Max as an exclusive, which is great. I think it's a great platform uh, to target, just so uh, we don't have to worry about, um, you know, it flopping at the box office and then, you know, the series goes in, into a further limbo of will it ever come back? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, what, what was your reaction when you saw uh, that this was coming back? I think I first was like, wait, did we know this or did we not know this? Because I feel like there have been so many announcements or and rumors about different reboots and franchises returning that it's hard to keep up. But like you said, some of just what we know so far, um, HBO Max, John Watts, it's it's seeming interesting. And, and it's like, I'm not going to get my hopes up because it is a Final Destination movie, but it has potential also working on the screenplay are uh, Lori Evans-Taylor and Guy Busick. Guy Busick wrote Ready or Not and is working or had worked on the Scream, Scream 5, Scream whatever you want to call it, movie. So there's some good stuff here. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, there, I remember there being a lot of like rumors and hype around potentially like a medieval addition to the franchise after the fifth one came out, and I was like, "This sounds really? silly." Yeah, it was like fan-made trailers of like pirate ships and stuff like that. Um, but I'm oh, no. I'm glad that uh, you know this is happening. I'm really excited to see uh, what John Watts um, can uh, can come up with here, uh, leading the project. So yeah, plus. We should do more of these. You know, we started out 
with our podcast yeah. doing these like series retrospectives and I thought it was a fun idea and you as well to to tie in a big news release to going back and looking at the franchise. Obviously we should have done Scream, but I think the Scream one will come <laughs> after our review of Scream 2022 for sure, which is apparently getting glowing reviews, which is surprising to me. So yeah. I'm getting a lot of uh, a lot of excitement about it and I know if I build my hopes up and <laughs> I get they're crushed, uh, I'm going to be even more upset. But that's how that's how the world works nowadays. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on the Final Destination franchise? Um, do you remember when you first saw one? What your reaction was to it? Yes, I do. So I remember it was by the time the third movie came out, which was in 2006, which makes sense. Um, I started getting into them, and I remember the third one was out, but I think it was already out, like, to rent or whatever. It wasn't in theaters. Um, and me and one of my closest friends just discovered them, and we watched all three of them basically back-to-back, and we're like, oh, my God, cheating death. Like, we thought it was the coolest thing ever. And um, a franchise with this many kills, I mean, it's bound to attract some younger audiences who are just like, oh, yeah, that was a cool kill. But even today, I still hold some of the scenes near and dear to my heart, even recognizing that not all of these are good, maybe not even any of them are actually good, but they're very entertaining, and I have a lot of nostalgia for all of them. Definitely. Huge nostalgia factor, factor, like prime naughties horror movies. You know, Mm -hmm. ridiculous gore, um, a crazy amount of ridiculous things that need to happen in place for the kills to happen in these movies. Um, I love it. It's so ridiculous. It's great. Do you remember the, did you see the first one first? Was like that, that your introduction to the franchise? Yeah. I remember like hearing about the third one and because it had just come out, but then we were like, yeah, we'll start it from the beginning. And the first one, I mean, none of these movies are perfect, but the first one is not bad. Like I think it has an original story. It, started the whole franchise so to me this was something that i had not seen before um and it follows a decent story i will say so i do like the first one yeah i never i didn't see the first one first i saw the second one really yeah my stepsister wanted to rent it uh the second one and i was watching and i was like i don't know what this movie is about i'm gonna watch it i don't know how old i was Uh, (laughs) definitely not supervised by my parents um (laughs) but you know I remember watching it and being like, cool, yeah, never watching this. Like, I'm good. <laughs> because the opening scene in the second one freaked me out. And it's yes. something that I think we all can relate to, uh, you know, nowadays of seeing that big old truck carrying those those tree logs where yeah. they got to go. Um, and even, like, roller coasters. And it's, uh, it's crazy um, what these movies have done to like me and the most like ridiculous things i'm like oh god and i always think back to them and that's just you know credit to the franchise for being able to be innovative the first one is so innovative um and the rest of them are just you know plays on it and some of them do bring new things to the table but other ones are just like ugh, like why is this an entry especially the fourth one which we'll get to um but yeah so it all started with final destination one in 2000 um a movie that is centered around a bunch of high school kids going on their class trip to France. And when they get to the airport and they start to board uh, Flight 180, which becomes a running theme in all of the movies, the idea of this number mm-hmm. 180. Um, 
a, a character, uh, played by Devin Sawa, uh, has a vision. And on the vision, or in the vision, I should say, uh, the plane explodes. There's a, a big plane crash, uh, and all of his friends on the plane and everyone else dies. Um, and right at the start of the movie, you're like, whoa, what am I watching? If you have no clue yeah. what this franchise is about. And we're going to get into some pretty big spoilers with all these franchises, uh, with all these entries. So if you haven't seen the, the movies, sorry, this episode's not for you. Or if you don't care, <laughs> welcome. Welcome back. Um <laughs> And yeah, it, it flashes right back. Uh, it turns out it was a premonition. It didn't actually happen. Um, and he starts to have a panic attack. Uh, it gets all of his friends off the plane. Um, and they're all like, man, you're freaking out. What's what's going on? Like, dude, why? What, what's what's happening? Uh, and they they look out and in the sky, the, the plane crash happens as he as he saw his premonition. And from there on out, death, the Grim Reaper, whoever um, is out there. To, to right the wrongs of avoiding this this terrible accident. Um, and yeah, it's such a unique concept. Um, some of the performances in this one are great, uh, especially Tony Todd, um, mm-hmm. who plays Bloodworth, um, one of my favorite horror movie characters like ever. Also, like some would say, like, why? He's just so ominous and... <laughs> It's it's hilarious that he just has this like prominent role and he's just there to freak the hell out of the kids, which I find right. so good and such a you know a trope in in horror movies. Like you think of like Cabin in the Woods with the the guy at the rest stop who's like the 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 prey has entered the the whatever and all and Richard Jenkins <laughs> and and Bradley Whitford like laughing at him on the phone because <laughs> he's like what do you mean? <laughs> but yeah, it's great. Um, Bloodworth is awesome and yeah, all the characters in this one are fun. And, fun fact, the film's directed by James Wong. Yep. And, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, who, um, you know, played a part in The X-Files, one of the most popular uh, sci-fi shows of all time. And he also made the Dragon Ball uh, live-action movie. So, thanks, James Wong. Why did you do that? (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Yeah, but kind of what you um, laid out is the template for pretty much all of the movies in the franchise. There's a new main character. They see a premonition of an accident. Something happened where a lot of people get killed, including them and their friends. Um, And then it turns out to be just a premonition. But because the person and whoever they're with are able to escape what actually happens then like you said death is coming for them and they have to figure out how to stay alive like great concepts i just don't know if it should be the same exact thing every single time yeah and that was sort of the downfall of the films as they started to move on um yeah the second one innovated and did like something so easy and like very low-hanging fruit of instead of going um forward because the way that death operates in the movies they kill people (laughs) in the order of which they were supposed to die in the horrific accident um in the second one they go backwards whoa cool (laughs) idea um but yeah from there on out it's it's like okay cool we get the concept you know it's a little annoying that every time they have to explain it but i guess if they didn't explain it every time people would have no clue what's going on yeah Um, but uh, yeah, when it first came out, I was like, this is, especially since I saw the second one first, and I had to go back and watch this one. It was like, super cool concept. Sean William Scott is in it. Uh, is mm-hmm. Billy Hitchcock, who has a great performance. Ali Larder is in it, uh, who plays Claire Rivers. 
Um, Devin Sawa plays Alex Browning, um, who becomes a kind of recurring character that's brought up throughout the series because he's the original premonitioner. That's not a word. Um, <laughs> and uh, Kerr Smith is Carter. Uh, just some really great performances here that like signify 2000 horror to me, which I love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like some of these, like Devin Sawa and Ali Larder, were like big in the 90s. So this is like their first, you know, entry in the 2000s because this came out in 2000. So it's really fun. I mean, when you look back at it, it's just peak early 2000s, late 90s. And I love that. And I think <clears throat> even, I think this one is, I don't know if this one's my favorite. We'll get into that kind of after, I guess. But I think after the first one, the story just doesn't really matter because it's basically the same thing every time. So that's why the kills just keep getting more and more ridiculous because, let's face it, if you're going to see one of these movies, it's to see the kills. So it's funny how it happened that way. Yeah, but I will say they do innovate. You know, mm-hmm. they have to think of new and crazy ways for <laughs> death to kill these people. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, this was this is like my first... Like entry to Ali Larder, who obviously became like a fan favorite of mine um, in my childhood. Obviously, she was Brooke Wyndham in Legally Blonde, yeah, um, with Reese Witherspoon, you know, uh, serving as her lawyer and and saving her from uh, some, some wrongfully <laughs> accused stuff. Um, and then she played uh, Claire Redfield in the Resident Evil movies, which are also guilty pleasures. And I don't know if they're worse or better than the Final Destination movies, which is hard to say because <laughs> we've talked at length about how much I love Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the kills in this one um, are great. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the pros to it, you know, it's an original story, memorable 90s, early noughties cast, um, but it is cheesy, right? These movies have to be cheesy. Um, it did almost $113 million at the box office, has a raving 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is just, that's bad, which sucks because yeah. it's definitely not the worst in the franchise easily. No. Um, but, yeah, there's some really good deaths in this one. Um, and they get more gruesome as the movie goes on, I think, which I appreciate. And they get more horrifying. Like, the first one um, is uh, strangulation in a shower, and then we start to get into, like, uh, a bus. I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen the movie because yeah. the kills are really good in this one. Yeah. Yeah, I will have to say, I think my favorite is the, the picture I've included in the outline just because it's the most ridiculous, uh, like, thought out. So many steps had to happen for this woman to be killed. Um, an English teacher, I won't give everything away, but basically just so many things. She has, a, uh, like, her mug is broken, so some vodka she's drinking is spilling out, causes the computer to explode. She has, like, a shard of glass in her neck, and then she's... <laughs> on the floor she tries to pull for a cloth and a knife comes and like stabs her it's just a million things to get to the end to where it's just like you can't not like you can't knock it it's just hilarious and so good yeah these these (laughs) are funny these are funny um but also what i really appreciate and you know something that starts to become a bit of an annoyance in the later films is that you know these characters are the first time we're seeing a reaction to how, you know, people would respond to this ridiculous scenario. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the character development here is as, as best as it could be um, with this one. And some of the other ones just kind of throw it to the wayside. 
other ones focus on it pretty heavily specifically the one you haven't seen which is annoying um but yeah it's a fun entry to the franchise um which leads us right into final destination 2 uh which came out three years later so a bit of a layoff which Mm -hmm. is a little surprising because you would think oh well 113 million the box office you know we're not box office experts but you would think that's that's not bad like let's see what was the budget here for this film the budget for Final Destination One was twenty-three million, so it made an mm-hmm. excess of ninety math hard ninety million dollars. Right? right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Math, quick maths. Uh, <laughs> two plus two equals four. Quick maths. Everyone, do you remember that? Do you remember that meme? No, I don't think so. You don't remember? Uh, oh, what was his name? I can't remember, but we'll be stuck here forever. Um, yeah, show me later. <laughs> two plus two is four. Minus one, that's three. Quick maths. You don't remember that? No. Oh, he's a comedian. Oh, uh, I think he's a comedian. I don't remember. But, oh, man. Anyway. Um, either way, it was three <laughs> it years. It made money. Yeah, yeah, it made money, and it was three years until the next one. Um, which is, like, cool, because, like, you know, you know, you don't get burnt out of it immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're making a second one of this one. I remember this movie. This movie about the, the plane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, you know, after watching that one, I wonder what the appeal was for a second one back then from like a social standpoint yeah yeah definitely i wonder because i mean it did make money it had a low score i wonder like what because we weren't really paying attention when these movies came out as much as we are now like what was the marketing and how did they kind of promote these movies i'm sure it was ridiculous i love the poster for the first one the, the box art that's on the the, the dvd mm-hmm. and i'm sure vhs at the time uh, yeah. what, a, what an old technology um <laughs> But I also wonder, and obviously this is not, you know, based on any research that we've done, but I'd be interested to do the research of, obviously, the movie being centered around a plane crash and then mm-hmm. 9-11 happening a year after. I wonder if that kind of halted people in in studios be like, well, maybe let's not make another one of these movies right now. Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Potentially. Um, but yeah, the third one came out, or the second one came out in 2003, uh, and this one is based off a horrific traffic pileup. Um, which, to me, freaked me out as a kid. Especially the first one that I saw. I was 10 at the time. Um, and still, you know, at 10 we're not thinking about driving. Maybe some people yeah. are. F1 <laughs> racers, maybe. Um, but the whole traffic pileup scene freaked me out. Because I'd never been on a plane up until then, so I didn't know what that experience was like. But I've mm. driven everywhere. And I've been in two car accidents in my life. Never as the driver, only as the passenger. So I'm sure thinking back to this now when I was younger, it freaked me out. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think this is one of my favorite. I think this is my favorite premonition, probably, because it really is so chaotic. And it's, I think, the most realistic. I mean, it's still a little bit ridiculous, but compared to, you know, a plane crash or a roller coaster or a bridge collapsing, this is something you could see that would happen. Um, so it makes it a lot scarier, but yeah, I just love the way this movie starts. I think it's great. I think they do like, they focus a little bit less on the characters. They kind of get pretty into it pretty fast compared to the first one, which I kind of enjoyed because it's like, we saw the first one. We know what the formula is. We know what's going to happen. Um, but I thought that, yeah, the traffic pileup is a great, uh, premonition for this one. Super effective. Yeah. And I do agree with that relatable aspect of it. Right. Um, like I mentioned, I hadn't been on a plane when I eventually saw the first one. I hadn't flown until I was like 16 or 17 and mm. by myself for the first time too, which was like crazy. Um, but 
Yeah, like obviously in our lifetimes there have been some really tragic plane accidents. Um, but right. it, you know, I remember especially being a kid, it was like hearing about traffic accidents was always something you either heard on the radio when they were doing the reports or the weather or the morning news. My mom had it on the TV before going to school. So I think it was a little more relatable for me and I would assume you for you yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, driving is something I don't currently drive right now because I live in the city, but driving is something that people do every single day. It's a very common thing. You're driving onto the highway. That's not, you know, something to talk about. It's just what you do. Right. Um, and, you know, some of the things that go on in the in the opening scene as they lead to the accident are things that, you know, we can imagine seeing mm-hmm. during our own driving experiences, like someone drinking some coffee um, you know, I've seen people looking at their phones. That's the number one thing, especially if it was made nowadays. Like, definitely oh, someone yeah. on their phone would have led to the whole big thing. It would have been some kind of metaphor, allegory to, you know, don't text and drive and that type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's crazy um, what the impact of this scene was to me as a kid. Um, and, yeah, the whole big thing that kind of starts it all is that there's this big truck that's carrying a bunch of tree logs mm-hmm. that have been cut down. And that's what starts it because they break off. And when everyone sees those trucks now, if you've seen the movie, you instantly go to Final Destination 2. as like, oh, crap, got to get away from that. Oh, yeah, totally. Any like Anything that a truck is carrying, you know how sometimes they'll have another car on the back and the car is facing like your direction? I'm like, nope, other lane. I don't need this. Like, absolutely not. So no matter what, I feel like that situation is... A little nerve-wracking and then yeah if you've seen this movie you're gonna be really anxious on the road and, and seeing something like this definitely um and yeah so this one uh, like i mentioned 2003 has a runtime of 90 minutes so they're not too long uh, they're easy to yeah. kind of digest i had a budget of 26 million and made 90.4 at the box office this one was directed by david r ellis um who obviously took over for james wong uh, James Wong came back for the third one, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, but the pros for this one, um, obviously, like we mentioned, the innovation here is that instead of going in order of how they mm-hmm. died on the plane, they go in order of how they died in the car crash backwards, mm-hmm. um, which is like, whoa, cool. For Innov- whatever reason. Great job, writers. Very innovative. <laughs> um, but it is a new take on it, right? You know, we're joking a little bit, but it is it is new. Um, and the kills in this one are great. I love the kills in this one. Um they're a little bit um, more out there, but they are still yeah. pretty realistic. Uh, one of the first ones involves a fire escape, uh, which is very memorable. Uh, mm-hmm. But we again, we won't reveal kind of how it happens, uh, but there's a barbed wire kill in this one uh, <laughs> that is like easily, I think, the most memorable one from this movie. Yeah, I think so. This like when I think about this movie, I think about the the pileup and then also the barbed wire. Those were the two standout moments because, yeah, this one is just one of the ridiculous ones that I'm doubting is something that happens ever. Um, so it's something that you can kind of laugh at and be like, "What the hell? How like how do you even think of that? It's so, it's just entertaining. It's ridiculous." Definitely. There's also another one with a giant glass pane that I remember very vividly, which also freaked me out as a kid. But that one's a little, that one's a little more out there in terms of circumstances of how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it involves going to the dentist. 
And I don't want to say that, you know, has affected my love for the dentist because, you know, we should love our dentists, right? And I think having an irrational fear of the dentist is something a lot of people can relate to. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, that one's really, really good too. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I really like this one. I think this one is definitely worth it. If you're going to pick up these films, one and two are definitely uh, ones that will keep you entertained for sure. Um, and it has a better uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 48%. So it's 13% better according to people than the first one yeah that's interesting i will say yeah i think the first two are the strongest but the third one is pretty good too so let's take our first quick break and then we'll talk about final destination three okay so like i told you in the beginning final destination three was that movie had come out and that kind of exposed me to the franchise and i vividly remember one of the kills watching it with my friends and being like I'm never going in a tanning booth because it's gonna happen to me and so many things like that so I have a like just a soft spot for the third movie but I don't actually think it's that good okay well I'm gonna completely disagree with you because okay this is the first your favorite I think this is up there I think this might be my favorite um this is the first one I saw in theaters um, okay. You know, I, I toughened up. I went and I went and go saw a horror movie uh, as a kid. Uh, my mom bought me tickets to go see it with my friends. Thanks, mom. Um, but also, I've, I've reiterated before, like episodes long time ago, that I was a Freddy cat as a kid, mm-hmm. big time, big time. Couldn't handle it. Uh, one of my most infamous stories is I went to go see the uh, Stranger Calls, one of Stranger Calls remake. Um, yeah. I think I've told you the story uh, with Camille Bell. And I got so freaked out in the opening scene of the movie at the amusement park that I was like, I gotta yeah. go. I made up an excuse. I was like, my mom called me, something <laughs> happened, I gotta go. <laughs> just, that movie is creepy. I know. I Had to be out. That one's, I was like, cool, I'm not being home alone, like, not dealing with this, <laughs> not gonna deal with any potential, like, freakouts I have because of this movie. I'm out of here. Yeah. Final Destination 3, I was like, cool, all these crazy kills and gore? Sure, sign me up. Um, but yeah, I made it through this one. Uh, James Wong returns for this one. Uh, and the movie, once again, uh, goes back to high school kids um, who are on their graduation trip um, celebrating uh, the end of high school uh, for some the worst times of their lives. Definitely not one I look back <laughs> on fondly. Um, but for others, the best times of their lives. Um, and they go to an amusement park. Um, also worth mentioning that Tony Todd comes mm-hmm. back in this one. He did appear in the second one as well, reprising his role as Bloodworth. Um, but in this one, he's just here as a cameo, which kind of sucks. That's definitely yeah. a, a mark on it. And I was like, come on, just bring him back. <laughs> bring him back. Um, and I know a lot of people, because I, I hadn't seen Candyman until I grew up. Um, you know, Tony Todd is their Candyman, and obviously now with the new one, I still haven't seen it. But I'm yeah. assuming in some kind of way... Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen the second. I don't know. I don't want to assume too much or get <laughs> spoil myself too much. You don't have to let me know. Um, but to me, like Tony Todd was Bloodworth to me, which I loved, and he was he was that guy, that creepy guy that worked at the morgue and the furnaces and death and all that. You know, he's just got such a good voice for horror, mm-hmm. um, and he's also in The Rock, which is one of the best Nicolas Cage movies of all time. Um, but yeah, um, this one centers around a roller coaster crash. Uh, and I'm happy to report that I've been on one roller coaster since I saw this movie. Um, not yeah. a big roller coaster guy. Uh, heights, loop de loops, <laughs> not for me. 
Yeah, I'm not a roller coaster person, so this movie did not encourage me to go on roller coasters. I was like, see, this is exactly what happens, even though it's not a frequent thing that happens. Yeah, no, this one is not for me. Um, or those rides are not for me. Right. I'll go on. It's a small world. Or Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Um, so tell me what your pros are, because I will say I know one is that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it, which I think is a pro, too. She's awesome. She's a great actress. She's probably the best actress that's been in any of these movies. So she's awesome. And she's a pretty good character, too. So I think that's a strong point, which I'm sure you agree with. For sure. Um, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead so much. <laughs> Ramona Flowers. I mean, it's like yeah. the characters that she's played on screen mean so much to me. And um, As a movie fan, and for this series, she's by far my favorite uh, main character, Wendy. Um, and she's um, partnered up with uh, Kevin Fisher, who's played by Ryan Merriman, uh, as everyone should know from the 13th year and The Luck of the Irish. The, the original DCOMs. Yeah. Um, but uh, Wendy is uh, taking photographs of people at the amusement park. Um, she ends up having the premonition um, and her she ends up getting separated um, from her boyfriend and Kevin, uh, who of uh, Ryan Merriman gets separated from his girlfriend. So they end up partnered up in a roller coaster car, um, which is, I guess, just how the movie plays out. Um, right. <laughs> and in the circumstances, she has the premonition of the crazy crash. Everyone dies on the roller coaster. Um, and since both of their partners died, they're together trying to figure out and save each other uh, and all of their friends from all the stuff that's supposed to happen. There's a ton of references in it, right? Um, so I like the, the pros. Mm-hmm. MEW, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Merriman, for sure. Uh, Alexis Johnson. Um, did yeah. You, did you watch Instant Star as a kid? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pro for me. Um, I was a big Degrassi and Instant Star fan growing up. Yeah. Um, I like the photographs that they introduce here as how yeah. as how they start to identify kills um, because it adds the element of trying to get ahead of death. That's their innovation in this one, um, mm-hmm. which is cool. There's some really gruesome kills in this one. Um, and I think that's where my pros <laughs> stop, unfortunately. Also, Corey Mindheit is in this one. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I that either. I've seen that. Yeah. Interesting. I, I don't remember. He's a very minor character. Yeah. I don't remember who he is in the movie. Um, but also, this is one of the more, like, star-studded ones with, like, notable names. Amanda Crew is in it. Um... Texas Battle, Gina Holden, uh, uh, Chris Lemche, uh, who plays Ian McKinley, uh, who is a big role in the movie, uh, and is uh, the boyfriend of Aaron, uh, who's played by Alexis Johnson. So, yeah, those are my pros. The kills, the photos, uh-huh. Emmy dub. I don't know if anyone, <laughs> again, we're, what, what, what are we? ATJ stands, that's where we are. Yeah, Joy. yeah, yeah. So now I'm mm-hmm. also starting Emmy dub. Um, yeah, those are my pros. Yeah, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I sorry, also... sorry, sorry, sorry. One more pro. This yeah. had the best innovation in the home release because it gave you the choose your fate mode. Of oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't think I did that, but I remember reading about that. Yeah. Um, I like the ending of this movie. 
To be honest, I think I like the ending of the second one too. With the um, the what hospital, the... they they drown. Oh, oh we're gonna spoil it. <laughs> okay, maybe it's, what is the one? In, it's probably the first one with when they're like in Paris. Oh yeah, it's the first one because that was supposed to be their school trip. Okay, I like the ending of the first one. Uh, second one, sure, and the third one, I like the ending. Yeah, the ending with the subway. Yeah. Without giving too much away. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and also in this one, through the choose their fate mode or choose your fate, whatever it was called, um, you actually do get some hints of what happened at the end of the second one, which I really like. So they connect oh, all the universes. Yeah. Um, you know, they also kind of rush through and figure out what they got to get done pretty early on in the movie. You know, they get some like, I heard about these kids on Flight 180 and I'm like, okay, cool, just get it out of the way. Just get it out of the way. Let's get to the movie. Um, and yeah, to me, if the second one is the most iconic premonition scene yeah uh this one i think is the most iconic kill in the entire franchise which are the two uh tanning bed kills yeah probably that might be a bold claim but i I would put it up there i think it's it's very recognizable yeah it's top two and if it's not two we can ask drake um i said i'm top five but i'm not five oh no he said top two but i'm not two yeah um but yeah this one's great. I like this one a lot. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it does have its pros, I think, just overall when looking at the whole franchise. I just don't have that many things that are memorable. Like, it's a little bit boring, but it's fine. I liked it. Um, and this one did $118.9 million at the box office, so almost $119 million. Um, and that is more than the first two. So they got back on track a little bit, and it got a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. So critics are saying it's a little worse than two, but it's better than the first one. So, okay. Sure. Yeah. If you're not tired of the series at this point, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. I think is a yeah. good way to put it. Um, but yeah, it can be a little boring at times. I do agree with you. And it's also sentimental to me because it's the first one I saw right. in theaters. Um. But yeah, I think Wendy, other than Alex, though I do like Kimberly a lot in the second one. Yeah. I think Wendy, to me, is my favorite protagonist as the the premonitioner. (laughs) Yeah, I think she might be, too. I think she might be the most, like, actually developed character. And I think that just speaks to the acting is really good by her and not that many others in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Oh, before we go to the, the next one. Yeah. One more pro. The song that they play is creepy as hell on the subway. That song is creepy as hell. The one that's kind of laid throughout the movie to like lead at um, mm-hmm. some of the deaths that are coming along. Um, but also a big con, even though he's in as like a cameo because he's the voice of the devil on the, the roller coaster and he's the voice of the subway conductor at the end of the movie. There's no Tony Todd, no Bloodworth. So that's a con. Big con. Yeah. Yep, and he's not in the next two either, right? That was it? Just one and two? No, you haven't seen five. He does show up in five. Oh, my gosh. Okay, five has so many pros, apparently, that I'm missing out on. So we'll talk about him. But so um, final the Final Destination, a.k.a. Final Destination 4, for whatever reason, they decided to call it the Final Destination as if they weren't going to make any more. This one was 
came, it came out in 2009 when all of the 3D hype was going on. They did, like, My Bloody Valentine 3D, which, of course, I saw. You go and get the 3D glasses, and, you know, they, they market it well. So this one was a 3D movie, which I think might have been cool when it was in theaters, but absolutely does not hold up because when you watch a 3D movie at home, it's just ridiculous. And that's what this movie is. I think this is the worst one in, in the franchise. Me saying I haven't seen five, but this one is the worst one, I think. Yeah, fear not. Five is way better than this one. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so this one's directed by David R. Ellis, so there's a little bit of a flip-flop going on here. Uh, James yep. Wong doing one and three, and then Ellis doing two and four. Um, right off the bat, calling it the final destination. I agree with you. Stupid name. If it's the final one, like I know it's not like specifically said this is the last one we're making, but it's called the final desk. It's implied in the title. People, come on, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Same thing with Scream. Same thing with <laughs> Halloween ends and kills and all that type of stuff. What are we doing here? Um, the screenplay was done by Eric Bress, um, and yeah, the whole premonition of this one is centered around a crazy race car accident because they go to a like pseudo NASCAR like smaller amateur race mm-hmm. in town a couple of their friends only four friends at this point um, so they've windled down the amount of people uh, <laughs> that they know uh, they kept it smaller this is the smallest party of like close friends in a group in the entire franchise um, obviously I don't want to give away too many spoilers for two and three but it makes sense when you think about it um the kills in this one. Man. It's like they were already ridiculous, and these ones are just another level of ridiculous. They're just goofy, and, and there's so much CGI that it's just... It's like, what am I watching? Yeah, like, they ran out of, like, realistic scenarios. Um, yeah. There's, there's one in the third one, which I thought was really stupid, mm-hmm. uh, which is the weightlifting one. With yeah. uh, Texas Battle, uh, his character. That one's really silly, but it's also really gruesome and gory, so I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, these, the, the the goriness is kind of taken away from by all the stupid CGI 3D stuff that's in the movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a crazy race car accident. It's also the most unrealistic of the four so far in the franchise. Yes. Oh my god, it was like a screw coming out, right? Right, yeah. A screw <laughs> comes out of it. It turns somehow out of the fence. It goes onto the track and, you know, that leads to whatever going on and someone drops a or leaves a tool in the car as they go to come out of the yeah. pit lane and car accidents happen all the time in the real world and also in things like NASCAR and F1 and professional racing. But to the grand extent that it happens in this one is so out there in terms of believability. And some of the kills that happen in it are just hilarious. Like this guy falls backwards on a broken bench and he impales himself to the back of his head <laughs> through his mouth. Sorry for the gore, you know, the gory details. But God, like it's so stupid. Um, and then they follow it up with even stupider kills. Um, like uh, a, a tank of uh, nit- nitrous, some, something at a garage. It flies off, it hits the guy, and it drives him backwards into a fence, and the fence <laughs> chops him up, which is just, huh? Uh, there's the pool one, which we'll get into, because that's the most iconic one from that one, easily. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the stupidest ones, for me, are the escalator one, which we'll get to at the very end of the movie. Um, it's the most 
it's pretty gory, mm-hmm. which I do appreciate, but it's stupid. <laughs> um, and the car wash one. That one I hate. Yeah. That one's well, so stupid. They Then they save her at the car wash? They do. No? That's the whole okay. trope in that one of like, okay, cool, we beat death. We saved her from the car wash. Yeah. Let's go. They're also like, they try to do some fake outs in this one, which I don't remember happening in previous ones. Maybe there were, but there's a scene where like the mom is at the hair salon and they're showing of like the flammable hairspray is like blowing up, but it doesn't. And then the overhead fan falls like right in front of her and doesn't crush her. But then she walks outside and spoiler alert, like, like a grass. Rock, yeah, 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 like someone cutting the grass or something, and then it just cuts out her eye. I'm like, I don't know. It's just, I guess they're just trying to keep people on their toes, but it's like, it's just a lot. Yeah, um, the 3D elements come in really heavy too because uh, yeah. our main character Nick, who's played by Bobby Campo, has a ton of premonitions throughout the movie um, in terms of what's happening. Like he sees signs in his head of. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to go here. We got to go there. Uh, we got to go do this. Uh, oh, I saw a vision of a hospital. We got to go to the hospital. Um, it's a lot of... The premonitions are super heavy in this one. Um, yeah. Which is a little annoying after going from the third one where it's really ridiculous of uh, Wendy taking pictures of how everybody was going to die in real <laughs> life. Um, but he's he knows too much throughout this movie for me, which I don't appreciate. Uh, because if the character is supposed to know a lot about how death is coming for them, like, why is he failing a bunch? Which is annoying because obviously death is supposed to win in the end in this concept mm-hmm. of the movie. But if he knows so much, like he should be saving more people than he's not. Yeah, absolutely. I think they were really trying to lean in heavily with the 3D effects, which, like I said, if you're watching it at home, it doesn't do anything. It's just annoying, but... I wonder if the 3D has anything to do with the box office because this movie made the most out of all of them, making 186.2 million. So I wonder if it was just the marketing of it's 3D, everyone's doing the 3D thing because it also has a 28% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is the lowest scored movie of the franchise. So what does that say about us? as viewers that it made the most money but it's the worst review yeah it's a good question right <laughs> it's funny yeah it's really funny um but man this one is this one's bad um mm-hmm. a lot of fake outs big con <clears throat> a lot a lot of fake outs a lot yeah. of uh, gotcha moments a lot of stupid things uh which i don't appreciate because they do it so much yeah it's too gimmicky right um but yeah you know after that one, cool, didn't need another one. Like, I was done with these movies. Uh, yeah, especially when you call it the Final Destination. You're telling everyone this is it. Yeah. Whatever. Like, Tell me about Final Destination 5, though, because full disclosure to everyone listening, I realized today that I've never seen this movie. I was looking it up for, you know, some research to recall the actors or whoever, whatever it was. But, yeah, I've never seen this movie. Yeah, so this is a return to the form for the franchise. Uh, came out two mm-hmm. years later in 2011. Um, centers around a bridge collapse, which is also... It's a terrifying concept, but I don't know how believable it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say on the believable scale from a race car accident to this, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this one... 
plays, I don't want to spoil too much since you haven't seen it. And for people who haven't seen it and they want to watch the franchise for the first time, this one plays with the concept of time a lot, uh, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Um, the characters are better in this one. Their development is a bit better. Uh, Miles Fisher and Emma Bell are in it. Uh, Nicholas D- uh, D'Agosto, uh plays our main character, Sam, um, who's obviously in shows like uh, Heroes in the Office. Um, and yeah, I don't want to give too much away. Also, PJ Burns in this one. Um, Arlen Escaparta is in it, or Arscapetta is in it, who's also really good. Uh, David mm-hmm. Kutchner is in it. Um, you know, whammy, uh, Anchorman. But mm-hmm. yeah, the the best part of this movie, Tony Todd returning as William Bloodworth, which I really really appreciated. Um, the kills in this one, like they learned, they were like, cool, can't do this anymore. Uh, they simpl- mm-hmm. they simplified it a bit, but also made it as gruesome as they could in certain certain circumstances. Um, and yeah, this one's good. I, it's the highly rated one, uh, the highest rated one, I should say, on Rotten Tomatoes with a 62%. Uh, and it was directed by Stephen Quayle uh, with a screenplay by Eric Heiser. So I'm sorry if I pronounced uh, that incorrectly. <laughs> um, but the pros of this one, uh, innovative, but not, like, doesn't push the boundaries ridiculously. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still believable. The kills are good. Uh, the cons are it's pretty short. Um, it does happen pretty quickly. Uh, but the ending is great. I would say it's the best ending of the bunch. Interesting. You have me now wanting to watch this ASAP. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I I was messaging you right before we started recording, and I was like, wait, this is the highest rated one? Like, how did I miss this one? I don't know how. It came out, like you said, 2011. I mean, that's my prime horror movie watching still in high school. Yeah, I saw this one in theaters as well. Um, so I only saw three and five in theaters. Um, mm. And obviously six we won't be able to see. So <laughs> I will still remain at more at home than than in the cinema. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nearly $158 million at the box office, 62% of Rotten Tomatoes. So definitely returned to form. Definitely got people more interested in making the movie. Um, yeah. But as you mentioned, it's it's been 11 years since this one came out. So the fact that John Watts is doing a new one coming to HBO Max is really exciting. Um and I know our talk on five is kind of limited, not just because you haven't seen it, but I also don't want to spoil it a lot for you. I want to yeah. keep it uh, as fresh for you as possible um, because it is really enjoyable. Um, it's uh, it's also just not a bad movie. Like, written, the characters are good. Um, there's a fun song that Miles Fisher did, uh, like a music video promoting the movie, which is really, really good, mm-hmm. that plays on Final Destination and like Saved by the Bell. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to go listen to that after we're done recording because I haven't <laughs> listened to that in a long time. Um, but yeah, quickly, before we end here, mm-hmm. um, let's give some some thoughts we want in the sixth one upcoming. Um, and since you haven't seen the fifth one, let's do mm-hmm. our overall rankings. Best, uh, yeah. worst, worst to best. One, the worst is easily four. Yes, the worst is four, yes. And I think, honestly, okay, because I can't put five in there, but I think, honestly, I will just go four, three, two, one. I think that they progressively get worse and worse between one and four. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... (laughs) One and two are like head-to-head for me, though. I do really enjoy both of them. And, I mean, I do like the third one. It's just not as strong to me. Yeah, I think my bias will come into play, and I'll go four, one, two, three. 
Um, and then five will probably go as the number one. I think the five is the best one in the mm. series. Nice. Okay, I need to watch it. It's it's on Amazon Prime for two ninety nine, so I'll definitely be renting it. Good deal. Yeah. Um, and what we want out of the sixth one, just something a little bit different. It's gonna be, it's gonna have the same formula, but something a little bit different to have us kind of guessing and just like good acting, because I think we don't get a lot of that in this franchise as a whole. Yeah. Do you want it to be connected to the other universes in some way? Or do you want it to be a fresh take on the tale? I think it would be fun just because we have so much nostalgia for the franchise that it would be fun if there's like a quick callback to like the first or second one. But I don't think it necessarily they need to. Yeah, we don't need 25 minutes of characters learning about Flight 180 and right all the other accidents. Um, there should be Easter eggs, if anything. Definitely. Um, but I, de- I think I wanted to tie in the other premonitions mm. somehow. Like they're all such they're, they're most like I say the Tanny Bed Kill is the most like iconic kill in the franchise, mm-hmm. but the premonitions and the crazy accidents and tragedies are the big selling point of these movies. Um and yeah. it's, it's what you know kept us coming back for oh let's see what they do in this one. Um so yeah, I want them to try to maybe figure out how they can tie in the other ones into this one. Doesn't need to be complete fan service. Um but mm-hmm. I trust John Watts. He's got a good track record. The Spider-Man movies yeah. were good. <clears throat> and I'm excited to see who comes on as director because we don't have that right. knowledge just yet. So that'll be a game changer. That's what I want to see. Someone with a good track record, even if it's one good movie, I'm hoping for. Yeah, and just like a fresh take on the franchise. <laughs> like it's a little silly that like we kind of flip-flop directors for the first four. And then it brought I know. New. Um, and I don't know if Stephen Quayle worked on any of the other ones off the top of my head. I don't think so. That's why I think this one probably is the best, the fifth one. Yeah. And look what it did for Halloween 2018, you know. So. And just, Halloween killed. No, stop it. Don't even say it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Let us know what your favorite Final Destination movie is. If you've seen them, what's your favorite kill? Um, yeah. You know, we'd love to talk about it um, in future episodes. Excited for the sixth one. We'll keep you up to date uh, with any news that comes out for it. And then pending everything hopefully next week yep screen five review yeah that'll be awesome so thanks everyone for listening hopefully next week we'll be chatting all about scream and if not we probably will still be chatting all about scream with some type of retrospective so stay tuned for that thanks for listening and we'll see you next week save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.